0: This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Robots Radio presents Myth. The podcast where we explore the very soul of the human story. about the forest people that they're not human they eat children and they have weird strange ceremonies and they worship evil gods but these were all myths these were all stories these were the things that the old people talked about in the village and you never believed them for real I mean, sure, there were times that you and your friends went out into the forest and strange things happened. You couldn't explain it. It wasn't an animal, but you weren't sure what it was. And it moved out of sight too quickly to know. You've also come across strange crafted tools and odd objects and even footprints that look like people, but you know that your villagers weren't in the area. They're stories, right? Well, that's what you thought. Until one day, the forest people emerged from the forest on their own. A small group of them carefully walked toward the village and everyone stopped. Everybody you know immediately put down their things and stared. There were only four. The one in front was a little bigger than the others, and they looked kind of like your people, but they were shorter and broader, maybe more animal-ish. The one in front brought what appeared to be trinkets small items. They, they looked like they had been crafted by children. You, you couldn't quite make out what they were from a distance. But they placed them on the ground and with some gesturing and some sounds that you didn't understand kneeled before you. And the others kneeled as well. What, what was the sign? What, what were these people doing if they were even people. The village elders gathered together and and approached. It looked like they didn't mean you any harm. The rumors said that they ate children, that they abducted people into their society, or whatever you would want to call it. But these seemed peaceful. They seemed like they wanted to trade. So the village elders approached and after some communication, I guess you could say, some pointing and grunting, it seemed as if they were pointing towards the fire and towards the the meat, the deer that was cooking on the fire. They were hungry. And they wanted to trade. So in, in good faith, the elders gave them an offering, and took their trinkets, and they were on their way. And it's been a few weeks since this occurred, and you haven't seen them. But as you think back on the event, it makes sense. It has been a very hard winter. It seems like in the last few years, the world is getting colder. And the forest people might be having a hard time finding the food that they need. Your own people have had to travel further and have had to hunt more in order to find the food that they need. So food is definitely in low supply. So it was another cold morning a few weeks after this event, and you and your hunting party have set out into the forest looking for prey. And this time, you took a different direction. You headed a little bit more up into the hills, further than where you normally went. And before long, you saw the remnants of a village. You came across a place that you had never been before. And as you wandered in, you could see that there were simple huts outside of a cave. What looked like the remnants of fire. The writing of icons? Pictures? On the sides of the walls. And on the the leather left from the animals that made the tents outside of this cave. There were what appeared to be simple weapons and tools around a fire pit. And you have to admit that curiosity got to you. You decided to venture into the cave. You waved to your group to move on in with you, and as you approached the front of this cave, you realized that the smell was extreme. You hadn't smelled something like this ever, and it wasn't it wasn't excrement. It wasn't ...waste. It was remains. And at first, in the front of the cave, you you saw the remains that were familiar to you. Animals, deer... ...other creatures from... ...the forest. But as you got deeper into the cave... ...you realized that... ...there were fresher remains... ...in the back. Bodies looked like they had been dragged... ...into the back of the cave but not buried. And among those bodies were two younger forest people. The only two who looked like they were left. And you never quite figured out what happened on that day. The two young forest people, a child and maybe a teenager, were famished. And the bodies on the ground looked like they hadn't eaten in weeks. They hadn't been dead too long, and most of them were covered with furs, just like the, the two surviving children. You felt bad for them. And they were very cautious of you at first. They backed further into the cave. They, they wouldn't even come close. So, you signaled to the rest of the group to stand back. And you took from a member of your party a rabbit, a hare that you had caught in your hunting. And you held it out to them. And their eyes became very wide. You could tell that they were very hungry. And slowly, they moved forward. And you gave them the hare. they looked at you with an expression that you can only relate to confusion or fear and you reached around their shoulders and you brought them into you and the younger one gave you a hug it was that day that you brought these two survivors back to your village it had been The hardest winter that you recall. So hard that a small village of these forest people didn't survive it. And it was on that day that your village grew by two. You quickly learned that once these two were fed again, that they worked hard. They chipped in. The younger one started to pick up the language, and was able to communicate, remembered simple phrases and the names of things. And the older one, too, in time, learned to communicate. And they were short, but they were strong. They had stern faces, but they were resolute. Sure, they didn't understand some of the basic concepts of what it meant to be one of your people the fundamental things that everyone grew up knowing were foreign to them, but but you could tell that there was no desire for them to eat your children or your babies. These, These were two people. They just looked different, and over time, they grew to become solid members of the village. They even settled down and married into the group. Their children are a joy to behold. They look a little different than most of the children in the village, but they are no less loving and playful. You never really did find out who these people were or where they came from. And to be honest, it really didn't seem to matter. After years of living together, they were part of your group, and you think back on that, on that day when four of them came to visit, asking for food, and you wonder if you couldn't have done more. If it wasn't for the fear of the unknown, the rumors, the old stories, was there something that could have been done? Could you have lived in peace and helped these people? Could you have worked together? were they as different from you as you originally thought? If you are inspired to start your own podcast, then we have just what you need. The hosts at Robots Radio have put together a podcast just for you, just for podcast creators. It's called The Podcast Professor. We are giving you for free all the tips that you need to get you started on your own podcast. It's a gift from us just to say thank you for being part of this network. Go check it out. It's up on every platform that you could look for. There are audio episodes for you to download just like any other podcast. And then there are also videos at the Robots Radio YouTube channel. Go check out both and good luck with starting your own show. Again, that's called The Podcast Professor. Look it up everywhere. So a lot of people don't really understand the human genome, Homo sapiens, where we came from, how we are connected to other humans along the family tree of life. And another thing that they don't really understand is that that tree isn't a single branch that it is a number of branches that break off and then come back together. Homo sapiens, us, are the, the branch that survived. And it might be because of our brains. In the last episode, I talked about how it was our ability to reason that helped us survive in a time when our population was reduced to maybe 2,000 people. It was our ability to make critical decisions, and that may have been what kept us going. But we, we haven't always been alone on this planet as the only, quote, people, the only persons. And you might think, OK, there were the Neanderthals. The Ander- Neanderthals is actually the way to pronounce it as far as I've uh, I've learned. And they were very human like and and common thought is that they were cavemanish that they were dumb that they were very unrefined and and not like ourselves but more and more recent evidence points to this idea that they were a culture that they practiced art and if they practiced art then they probably worshiped some form of gods they had deities they had traditions They had abstract thought, which means that they probably weren't that different than we are. But they're not the only other humans who have been on this planet. So let's go back about 30,000 years. This is after that crash that I mentioned in the last episode that maybe not crash that bottleneck. That's the better word for it. 30,000 years ago, from what we know of the science right now, we were one of most likely four different types of human subspecies on the planet. And a number of Homo sapiens in different locations around the world coexisted with at least one of these other lines of humans. There are the Homo sapiens. That's us. And then there's the Neanderthals and then there's the Denisovans who were much like the Neanderthals, but are kind of a slightly different line. They are genetically a little bit different, whereas the Neanderthals were more likely to have existed and lived in places like Europe and Western Asia, the Denisovans most likely dwelled in Central, Eastern, and Southern Asia. Both of these species had complex thought, they had art, they had broader shoulders, they had thicker bones, they probably were stocky, and their faces were flatter with very large brow ridges, things like that. They appeared more hardy than a typical Homo sapien. And then there's the Homo floresiensis. These are an archaic human who inhabited at least one island in Indonesia. Chances are we had very limited interaction with them, but there is some speculation about that. Now, what's interesting about these four different groups, well, there's a few things that are interesting. First. If there can be a subspecies of human that exists on a single island in Indonesia, then there could be other species of subhumans in other locations that we haven't discovered yet. Secondly, there is evidence in our DNA. According to the latest data, the proportion of Neanderthal inherited genetic material is around 1.5 to 2.1% and is found in all non-African populations. This suggests that 20% of Neanderthal DNA survives in modern humans. Much of it is expressed in hair, skin, and diseases transmitted among human populations. This is very interesting. There is proof that Neanderthals had among them members of their society that were blue-eyed, and light-haired. And that maybe some of these genes exist in modern European descent individuals. So that means that there was interbreeding, that these branches broke apart and then came back together. There is similar evidence that among Asian populations Denisovan DNA exists. So we have Different times, different places in our human history where we not only coexisted with humans of different types, we came across them in the wild, we came across them in nature. Our genome broke apart, our people groups separated for long enough periods of time for us to evolve in very different directions and then came back together and that's probably an overly simplistic picture of what actually happened. But the DNA evidence shows that at least that happened. So the, the story I posed to you at the beginning of this episode brings about a potential situation that may have occurred where people come across other people who look different who act different and yet are not that different. So they take into their tribe two of these individuals who are left, who have need. And those people become part of their tribe because they're not that different. Now we know humanity wasn't as peaceful as the situation I pose in the, the story at the beginning that In many situations, there may have been wars, battles, conflicts between different groups of people. And in those kinds of situations, we know that humans, at least from what we know about ourselves, are not necessarily the best actors in those situations. That things like slavery, rape, things like that occur in situations like that. And that's another way that genes can be passed from one group to another. And although we don't have a specific picture of what may have happened during this time in our past, again, this is way before writing, way before the passing of knowledge on paper or on tablet from one generation to the next. But we can assume certain things happened because this time period was very long. As far as maybe 100 or 200,000 years ago, Homo sapiens may have been coexisting with other humans on this planet. Up until maybe 30,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, in some locations, potentially. But like I mentioned on the previous episode, this might have deeper ramifications. This might have an effect on the stories that we tell. How many myths include humanoid creatures? And I've thought about this before. Let's take a centaur, for example. A story of a half horse, half human. How does that come about? Is it because we get creative when we go, oh, let's see what happens if we put a horse and a person together? We know what a horse is and we know what a person is. Let's stick them together. Let's turn it into another creature. And now all of a sudden we have a story to tell the children. Is it that? Does it have to do with personifying nature? That's another thing that we do psychologically. We like to personify things. We see faces in the clouds. We draw faces on a rock and all of a sudden we have a friend. Or is it? deeper-seated, if you look at the, the myths throughout human history, it's not uncommon for us to have stories of humanoids who are different from ourselves. And by the time you get to Egyptian mythology, you have gods who have the head of a bird, or the head of a snake, or a crocodile, for example. Or you go to India, and Hindu mythology has a, a god like Ganesha, who is elephant-headed. Or you head to Greece, and you have centaurs, and you have even something like Medusa, a snake-like woman with snakes for her hair. But are these simplified, more recent versions of older stories that talk about people who are people that are different than we are? It may be hard coded, and maybe hard coded isn't the right way to say it. It may be foundationally placed in the psyche of our humanity, in the stories and the foundations of our stories to tell tales of people that are different than we are because. For the vast majority of our existence on the planet as homo sapiens passing down oral stories, we have time and time again come into contact with people on this planet who are different than we are. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Was it scary? Did they tell stories of the people in the forest? Was there? open knowledge of the different groups? Did they mark the territory that they each had and stayed away from each other? Maybe all of these situations happened at some point. But if these situations were happening for tens of thousands of years, then by the time you get to 5,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago, doesn't it make sense that that foundation, that idea is inherent in just our storytelling that we believe we live in a world where there are different types of people that something like a minotaur isn't too far fetched. And would these other types of people have appeared more animalistic to homo sapiens? Would they have appeared to be more bestial and different from themselves or would we have accepted them as just a different kind of tribe just a different kind of people who live over on the other side of the river what would you do if you were back 30,000 years ago and when you were wandering through the forest you came across a human but a different kind of human This has been another episode of Myth. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Tom, and I have a new review to read out to you guys. This came through Apple Podcasts, and it's from Cal Ross S12 in the United States, who writes, A Diamond in the Rough, five stars. Ten out of ten. Myth is a podcast that's quality, hits the ground running, and doesn't slow down. The way the episodes are presented are very enjoyable, and Robots, that's the name I go by on the internet, is an amazing host. I highly recommend the episode The Darkest Day, as it is one of the best podcast episodes I have ever heard. In the pile of many podcasts about human history, this one shines bright. Well, thank you, Cal Ross. That is a glowing review, and I really, really appreciate it. And if you would like to help me to grow this show, then there are a few things you can do. Of course, you can leave a rating or review on whatever podcatcher you use. Apple Podcasts is great because it's something people use to search for new shows, and a lot of people listen on Apple Podcasts. And I will also read those out on future episodes of the show. Another thing that you can do is to tell your friends. In fact, that's probably the biggest thing you can possibly do to help me to grow this show. And it really comes down to you guys. I can only create content and try to put out the best content I possibly can. It comes down to your ability to help me spread that content around. I don't advertise the show. I don't pay for ads to run on Google or anything like that. I'm not putting billboards up in major cities. Um, So if you can help me out by telling your friends that you enjoy the show, that they would enjoy it as well, then that is absolutely the best thing that you can do to help me keep the show growing so that I can keep creating Great content. Also, if you are interested in helping me directly financially, you can go to patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. There's another one. There's one that was taken by somebody just myth podcast. It's not it. And that one's not active myth underscore podcast. And you can sign up at multiple different levels of tiers and look at all the different rewards you can get for helping me out. Um, If you have any questions or thoughts or anything else you would like to send me, I would love to hear from you. So follow me on Twitter at Podcast Myth or email me at MythThePodcast at gmail.com. Or you can click the show note link. For our Discord, we have a Discord server where the bunch of people who pop in and talk about all sorts of different things. So you can always reach out to me on there as well. There's all sorts of fun places you can go and ways that you can interact with me and the community around the Robots Radio Network. So go check that stuff out. All the links are in the show notes. And until next week, stay safe out there. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Myth. If you'd like to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you at myththepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at podcastmyth. If you'd like to support the show, please tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes. Or if you'd like to help us out financially and experience an ad-free version of the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon. Listening to a robots radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.
1: In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart and their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal, and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road Crawling out from under the fallout, two men, one wasteland, and so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast, rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing.